Well, hello, everyone. I keep telling them they spelled my name wrong. It's T-Y-L-E-R, not David. I don't know what that's. No? Come on, tough crowd. It's a church crowd. Wake up in the house of the Lord. We just had great worship. All right, we got to get ready today. We got to get ready today. So here, we need some crowd participations. Repeat after me. We're going to go back to where we were just a few weeks ago. God loves me. God is for me. God wants to bless me. Now, let's put it together on three. One, two, three. God loves me. God is for me. God wants to bless me. That's what we're going to be talking about even more today. And if you don't believe it, I'm praying and believing. Uh, If you don't, we're going to slap you upside the face in the Holy Spirit to make sure that you do today because I'm going to preach to myself. Is that okay? Now, y'all can join the ride. Just make sure to keep hands and feet in the vehicle at all times. Make sure the seat belt is strapped tight because I know the Lord has something for us today. So today what we're going to learn through is something that all of us definitely want, and it's this. An inheritance to your descendants forever. That's what we're going to be talking about when it comes to David today. So many of us, how many of us, this is what we want, right? Wouldn't we want to give an inheritance? What is it, Proverbs 13, 22? Great is the man who leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. Man, oh man, I can't tell you how many times that's been thrown in my face when I say, it's not about money. What? Pin drop. It's good times. Ushers, if you'll come forward and get the tithe plate back out. It's apparently, no, okay. Really, it's not about money. We all want that, right? We all want an inheritance. And we're going to see that David isn't talking about money when an inheritance. We know in Christ Jesus that our inheritance is what is Titus 3 said. If you ever want to look at a, a, a quick glimpse of the gospel, go to Titus 3. It's a gospel in about eight verses. It talks about us being heirs through Christ, heirs with Christ, right? That is our inheritance. Signed, sealed. As a matter of fact, if you and I are in Christ Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, and that's the seal of our inheritance towards heaven forever. But let's be honest. How many of us feel good about the inheritance we've left for our children and children's children? Anybody good with that? Everybody's hand went up. You missed it. If you're not in the house, no one, right? See, this is what we're going to talk about with David. David had an inheritance. As a matter of fact, David wanted to do something. So maybe it's not inheritance, but how many of us have ever had a broken dream? Everybody, right? How many of us, maybe right now we're on the field of broken dreams. Maybe right now we're at the end of a broken dream. Wherever we are, we can all say that we have had a dream that has been broken. We thought something was going to be, uh, if you've had kids, I know my 18, I just send them out into the world. I don't have any by God's grace. But if you have children, for real, for real, you have dreams for them, and you will see them collapse. Your children will have dreams, and you'll see them be broken and falling apart. And so what do we do with that? Well, that's what we're going to learn from David today. So if you've got your Bible today, what we're going to do is get to 1 Chronicles 28. Oh, my goodness. Those who are numbers people, you're not going to like this. We're not going to be in numbers. It's the 13th book of the Bible if you ever want to remember where that is, okay? If you had a really quick mnemonic device, I shared this on Thursday night. Uh, if you want to know where to find First Chronicles, just remember, First and Second Samuel, Samuel anoints the kings, First and Second Kings, of whom are chronicled in First and Second Chronicles. So that'll help you remember the book. I mean, I'm giving, listen, y'all, I know we have a Sabbath next week. You got to give me something. So if you're with me, give me an amen. Let's go. We're going to dive in the word of the world. If you ain't with me, we still going today. So first Chronicles 28, what we're going to see is this is David's mustering up his last stands. There are many times in David's life when everyone thought he's on his deathbed. 
He's done. As a matter of fact, he had a couple of sons that thought he was dead, and they went ahead and prepared the palace for themselves. They got the room ready. Like, imagine, we call that a nursing home nowadays, but imagine if you are sitting there and your son comes in and be like, yeah, these drapes are no good. It's not, you know, we got to change the color here. Repaint over here. I got this. Like, that happened multiple times, but this is it. David will actually pass away in 1 Chronicles 29. So, 1 Chronicles 28, he is mustering the strength to give one last speech to Israel. So that's where we're going to pick up, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 1 through 3, and this is what it says. David summoned all the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem, the officers over all the tribes, the commanders of the divisions in the service of the king, the commanders of thousands, and the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the warriors, and the, all the brave fighting men. David had everyone, the whole assembly there, and this is what it says. King David rose to his feet and said, listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people. I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. But God said to me, you are not to build a house for my name because you are a warrior and have shed blood. You can read more about that in, in 1 Chronicles 22. If you have footnotes, it'll show you there. But can you see a broken dream in David? David's like, I, can you imagine where he was? Like, listen, I, I, I will tell you, we all struggle with pride. We can say we don't, but I can imagine my, I'm about ready to wrestle with God. Didn't Jacob wrestle with you, Lord? Take my hip, because I'm building this house. This is what I was, this is what I came to. I done slayed a giant. I've defeated the Philistines multiple times. As a matter of fact, I went all the way to the Philistines to get the ark back from them, to bring it back, and I was dancing like crazy and got made fun of for my worship, and you're going to tell me I can't build your house? we're going to see David's reaction. David's reaction wasn't that. See, when we look at this, David says, when we talk about David being a man after God's own heart, we talk about David keeping a man after God's own heart, keeping all of God's laws and decrees. But we've just learned last week, as Austin shared, did he? David didn't always keep God's laws. He didn't always. He repented. But what makes David really a man after God's own heart is he wanted a place where God's presence was housed with his people. And that's what God has wanted since the garden, since the fall. See, before the fall, he was in the presence of us. But then we decided that we knew better and sin enters in. And we have to be separated him from him because of sin, right? So his presence can't be with us. So now he wants to be with his people. So when David says the Ark of the Covenant, that represents the presence of God. When he says the footstool of God, can we learn a little bit today? Somebody tell me yes or no. We're going to have crowd participation today, y'all. We're going to get some help. We're going to have fun. So we're going to learn a little something. When he says the footstool of the Lord, he's talking about the seat, the mercy seat. And on the Ark of the Covenant, that is covered by the angels. I don't know if you remember. You all saw the drawing. You all had the flannel board. You may not have understood it. But remember, there's two cherubs with, with wings covering the mercy seat. What happens is the mercy seat comes off of the Ark of the Covenant, and it goes to this place called the Holy of Holies. And the priest could only go in there once a year at Yom Kippur is what it's called. It'll be in the fall. And that's when all of Israel's sins are forgiven for the whole year. Because they spread the blood of the sacrificial lamb on the mercy seat. On the mercy seat, it's there. And what happened is they take all the sins of Israel and the priest puts all the sins of Israel on a goat. And he says, upon your way, scapegoat, 
And they go all the way out. And like Lord of the Rings, they light towers as it goes out. And it goes into the wilderness. And it means the sins of the people are forgiven. There's a massive celebration. Everyone is happy. See, Jesus ripped that veil of the Holy of Holies, remember? He rips it from the top to the bottom so that we can experience God's mercy now. So David said, I want a place where the Lord's presence is so his people can experience God's mercy. Can you see Jesus in this? Can you see how David is a man after God's own heart? Yet he can't even build the house where God's presence can be dwelt. See, maybe that's where we are. We had a dream. Maybe it was a ministry dream. Maybe it was a career dream. Maybe it was a financial dream. Maybe it was a a dream car. Maybe it was a dream poster. Maybe you wanted to be in a boy band or a girl band or a mixed band. I don't know. Maybe you were a DJ or whatever it is, what you thought is broken. And so today, I just want to say, if that is you, this is a time that the Lord had you here for a purpose. It's an appointed and an anointed time to remind you, if you were in the field of broken dreams or at the end of the broken dream, God loves me. God is for me, and God wants to bless me. Let's go see what David does. Let's go down just a little bit further here. Verse 4 through 8 says this. Yet the Lord God of Israel chose from my whole family to be king over Israel forever. He chose me from my whole family to be king over Israel forever. He chose Judah as leader, and from the tribe of Judah, he chose my family. And from my father's sons, he was pleased to make me king over Israel. Really quick reminder, Judah means praise. The house of worship is what Judah is known for, and that's where we is today in the house of worship, Judah. So God chooses praise in order for Jesus to come through. Just be reminded of that, and we are created for God's glory, which is to praise him. Verse 5, of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many I won't open this because I don't need to be getting all your backlash and your comments, but that sounds like a certain politician. Of all my sons, the Lord has given me many. There you go. Deal with it. He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever. Look at this. If he is unswerving in carrying out my commands and laws, as is being done at this time. Parents, that sounds familiar, right? Yes, you can have dessert if you keep being good. If you just keep being good for a few more minutes, you can have that, right? Verse 8, so now I charge you, this is David talking to Solomon. So now I charge you in the sight of all of Israel, in the assembly of the Lord, in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord God, that you may possess this good land and pass it on, here's the phrase, as an inheritance to your descendants forever. So all of a sudden, when we look at this, we see, if you were to read deeper in there, David is told, okay, because you killed everybody, because you're killing everybody with a sword, you can't build my house. And we're just like, man, what? But remember, God doesn't come with war. He comes first in peace. Who is Jesus? The prince of what? What did he ride in? He rode a donkey on Palm Sunday, which is a sign of what? We've talked about this. Peace. Now, when he comes back, he's going to be on a horse. Whenever a leader comes in on a horse, he's going to war. And he's going to have king of king and lord of lords written on his thigh. And he's just going to go in, and he's going to be like David. He's just slashing, just taking out the enemy 100%. So Satan fully gets his faith. Fully gets his faith. But all of a sudden, we see that God comes in on peace. Solomon's reign was full of peace. So God ushers his house in 
in peace. This is why Solomon was chosen. But what's important thing that we see here is God says, hey, he will get to give an inheritance to everyone forever if he keeps my commands. Now, let me ask you something. For those who grew up in church, did Solomon keep all the Lord's commands? He absolutely didn't. We love his books. We love the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, and we love reading what he wrote from time to time. But he didn't. And what was Israel's path after that? Into exile. As a matter of fact, 10 tribes, the tribes of the north are completely erased. We don't have any of their descendants. We have the kingdom of Judah and its descendants. Now, what did Jesus, what did God just tell him? That he would establish his kingdom forever through, we know that that's through Christ Jesus, but those are the only two tribes. The kingdom of Judah, Judah and Benjamin are the only two that we can trace descendants from at this time. I mean, come on, that's where they are. We gotta be excited for the Lord. So this is what is happening. So David is known as a man of conquest. And so the Lord says, if you keep my commands, then you will be able to give an inheritance to your descendants forever. What is this inheritance? He says, if you do it, you'll get to possess this good land. That means you'll get to rest in God's promise and you'll pass that on. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that if I ever get to have children, their salvation doesn't rest on me. Because I'm not going to always keep God's laws and decrees. I'm going to get in a parking lot and probably not keep God's laws and decrees. I ain't perfect. I ain't got it together. And I, just because I get to stand up here and share the word of God doesn't mean that I have it. As a matter of fact, doesn't mean that I'm any different or any better. I'm on this journey just like you, this pilgrimage toward heaven from glory to glory. But I will tell you this. Jesus fulfills all of it. And what I can be thankful for is that he does. And what you and I can both be thankful for is unlike Solomon who has said, if you keep the decrees, you can pass that on. Jesus lets us pass that on. But let's look at, again, we're going to go to verse 9 and 10 in a second. Look at David being a father. He's trying to make sure Solomon is set up for success. Let's go to verse 9 and 10 and see what else David does here. It says this, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought if you seek him. He will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. I love how he ends it. Be strong and do the work. If you're in the Bible app today, the verse is the familiar one. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We have to understand God is about our heart. He's about our heart more than our offerings. He's about our heart more than how much we give, how much we serve. He is about our heart. And so David is telling Solomon, your heart should be on the Lord. And how do you show that to everyone? Well, this is that faith in works. Be strong and do the work. We don't like that now, do we? Everybody gets a trophy in this world, right? Everybody wins. See, here's the problem with that. Wins aren't as sweet if you don't understand the pain of loss. I'll put it to you this way. In life, if I didn't know what pain of loss at a funeral felt like, I wouldn't know the beauty of life. And everybody just, after a funeral, I'm just going to be honest, whether you trust the Lord or not, it reprioritizes things, don't you? Like, I got to live this life. I got to do some good things, right? Like, we, we want to be able to do that. So this is what, what David is trying to say is, hey, to do this, be strong and do the work now. 
Really quick, without getting too much of a tangent, I, I'm going to use sports. Can we use some sports real quick? Can anybody do that? We good with sports? Okay. So I will tell you this. I was so thankful for everyone that came to see me play sports. Why? They took time out of their schedule, time that they invested in me. They wanted to see me play. And this is what I want to tell you. Win or lose, they would have cheered for me. And I'm thankful for that. But do you know what drove me in sports? All these people didn't come to see me lose. You want to help your child in sports? Tell them that. I know that sounds harsh, but it's the truth. It makes you be strong and do the work. They came to see you win. But if you give all your heart and you lose, they're still going to love you. But they came to see you win. We don't like that. In this world, we want to see everybody win. Everybody gets a trophy. You didn't even kick the ball. You didn't even shoot the ball. But you get a basketball trophy. You get the NBA championship. You're the, N- yes, you're the MVP. We, we live in a world that misses that. Why does that matter? Because if we diminish the win, the victory we have in Jesus means nothing, does it? Think about that. And that's what we flow from. That's what we operate from. And we got to understand the price of that victory. And so where we are today, let's be reminded, this is what David is saying. Hey, Solomon, I'm giving you all this, but you got to do the work, buddy. I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I'm too feeble. It's my time. My race is run. It's yours to carry the torch. So David lists out all of the plans for what he has for Solomon. He lists out all the plans the Lord has given him. And let's see how this wraps up here in verse 19 to 21. It says this. All this David said, I have in writing as a result of the Lord's hand on me. David once again giving the Lord credit. And he enabled me to understand all the details of the plan. David also said to Solomon, his son, man, if you love Josh, y'all know I'm a Josh, Joshua 1.6, get ready, here it comes. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Y'all know I love some Joshua. This is it, man. That's Joshua 1.6. He's dropping it again. Why? Because God's promise does not fail. Let's keep going. What does it say here? The divisions of the priests and Levites are ready for all the work on the temple of the God. And every willing person skilled in any craft will help you in all the work. The officials and all the people will obey your every command. Man, every kid wants to hear that, right? Everybody's going to obey your command. Like everybody wants to hear that, right? But David is saying, hey, hey, the only reason I have this Solomon is the Lord gave me the plans. What happened is all the conquests David had, he brought to the Lord. All the silver, all the bronze, you can read everything, all the cedar, everything to build the temple was just sitting there, waiting. And he said, Solomon, the Lord didn't appoint me to do it, but he appointed you. It's all sitting there. It wasn't waiting on delivery. It wasn't waiting to get, it was literally sitting there. So David is saying, as the Lord is saying, be strong and do the work. So as we come to this, I just want to say, we talked about this over these past couple of weeks. There's two things. What David is helping his son understand, Solomon understand, and us understand is God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. We're going to talk about it a different way really quick, okay? So God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Be strong and do the work. God's sovereign that he gave me the plans, but he also created me to do the work is what he's telling Solomon. He created you to do the work. You have been chosen. So God's sovereignty, that's a big word. That's like a $2 word, right? Like that's one of those big words. That just makes you sound official. God's sovereignty is God's promise. And it does not fail. See, the word of God is, is, is in two parts. You have God's promise, which is God's sovereignty. And then you have God's principles, 
which is man's responsibility, how we should live. So David is saying, sovereign God, God's promise is he's not going to leave you or forsake you until the work is complete because no word that he sends out will return void. If he has said you're going to do it, you're going to do it, Solomon. Understand. So be strong, courageous, go do the work. It's going to be accomplished through you. But here's the thing. You got to do the work. And you got to do it his way. That's how you got to live. Or else you're going to miss out fully on the promise. His good land. You with me? See, you just nod sometimes. It's good, right? So this is what David is saying. So fathers and mothers understand. This is what you're called to do. I saw this on the, if you do the Bible app, man, I'm getting them out there a lot. But they have this thing called a daily refresh. I never even paid attention to it until a few weeks ago. I'm very sorry. As your pastor, I had not paid attention to that. Uh, it's about five minutes, and they go through their verse of the day, and they have someone give a little commentary on it. It's really cool. Uh, and I don't remember this week, but it was perfect. It was the Lord, the Lord's time, and the Holy Spirit. And the person who was sharing was saying this from the Daily Refresh when it comes to exactly what we're talking about when it comes to David, that we should understand, parents. Did you know that God loves your children more than you do? Do you believe that? That's a hard thing. Even when you want to kill them. God loves them more than you do. In other words, that thing that you want for them, you want, listen, oh man, I've shared this before and I'll share it again. I can't make you want Jesus, but I want you to see how much I want him and need him. And that's all I can do. Parents, understand that God loves your children and the plans he has for them to be accomplished more than you do. Even in those seasons when they're rebelling, even in those seasons where they, you know, they, they keep out on the door, even in those seasons where they don't answer the phone, even in those seasons where, God forbid, they don't text you back, even in those seasons, God, God loves your children more than you do. And your role as a parent is to teach and train them in the ways of the Lord. And that's what David is doing with Solomon. He's saying, hey, Solomon, you want to have success? Give the Lord credit. Walk in his ways. When I didn't walk in his ways and I messed up, your brother that you ain't going to meet on this side of eternity died because I, I, I was with, right, Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. When I messed up is when I did that. But here's the thing you understand. If you will teach them the ways of the Lord, once again, what's that familiar proverb? Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. That's a proverb. Hmm. Solomon. Anyway, all the way through, understand that parents, God loves your children more than you do. It is your job to train them up in the way of the Lord. That's why we do baby dedication. But most importantly, parents, it's your job to release them into God's plan. And I will tell you, as I, I'm not a parent, but as a pastor, I'm held accountable for how I point you to Jesus. But that's, that's how I will be held accountable. Did I point you to Jesus and did I release you into his plan? And if I didn't, then I didn't do what I was created to do effectively. This is what David is telling Solomon. So when we say this and we read this, I'm going to go back to Joshua 1.6. I'm going to go back to this really quick. It says, be strong and courageous and do the work. This is why we load in and load out every week. We do the work. We fight. Blood, sweat, tears. I know I said it in the welcome, but it's true. It's because each and every one of us know that we have, a, we have a void that only Christ can fill. And we want everyone to be able 
to experience it. We can't make you make the decision. We can't want you to make the decision. Only you can, but I'm going to tell you what, we're going to fight with every ounce of our being to put a chair out for you. We're going to do it. Whether you show up or not, we're going to do it. We're not going to be mad at you if you don't. When you come in this house, we're going to say welcome home with open arms. Might even sing happy birthday to you. I don't know. It is what it is. Always pray for zero calorie food because Lord knows we need it. All the way through, we're going to do the work because that's the race that Jesus has called us to run and we aren't afraid to do it. And that's why we talk about time, talent, and treasure is the sowers in this house ain't afraid to come in here, air conditioner, no air conditioner, stinking to high heaven. We still gonna set up the house of the Lord because he deserves it because we have his presence in us and we want that for everyone. And maybe, just maybe, you're listening online or you're watching in this house or you're in this moment, be reminded of your want for the Lord. This is why we do it. This is the overflow. This isn't where we get fed every week. This isn't our Bible reading. This isn't our prayer time every week. This is the overflow as we go out into these streets every week. And so we aren't afraid to do the work. And so that's why I'm thankful for each and every sower here because that's what we do. So you know I gotta have a little little story. Before we get there, I just wanna say this when it comes to God's house. Maybe this will wrap it up very well for us. When it comes to the house of the Lord, Jesus is our true temple, right? He is our temple. The church is the gospel temple. This is where the gospel is proclaimed and it goes out. The church, not a building, his people. We're the gospel temple. The everlasting temple is heaven. So the beauty of Christ is he, the temple, is building his temple through us in heaven for eternity. That's the inheritance we get to be a part of. And here's the beauty of it all. It's a divine plan, divinely thought out, divinely laid, and divinely worked through from the foundations of the earth. And what does Romans 8, 28 say? For his glory and for our good, he's doing it. What if we went every day, instead of worrying about our broken dream, understanding that he's working it all out for his glory and for our good? I can tell you, I wish I could tell you I did that 100%. So as we wrap up, I want to think about this for a minute. Uh, it's a children's story. Are you ready? How many of you remember the, uh, the egg, the carrot, and the coffee bean? We've shared it here before. Does anybody remember that story? You put them all together and you eat them at the same time. No, I'm just kidding. John Gordon wrote a great book called The Coffee Bean. You ever want to have some simple, easy leadership concepts? John Gordon has a great book called The Energy Bus, uh, Training Camp. Just a little easy, but this is a children's story. So really quick, without me getting too much of a tangent, I will try my best. The story goes like this. A granddaughter comes to her grandmother, and she's talking about how crazy life is. Man, every time I get one thing solved, and then 18 more pop-ups. Anybody feel that way? Like, do you have those? Like, it's just like, man, I got this one problem solved, and then, like, the rat goes somewhere else. Like, you know, and it's just all over the place. And, like, one thing after another, after another, and after another, and after another. And the grandmother takes her, and they go sit down in the kitchen. She brings her into the kitchen for a second, and the grandma goes, and she turns on three oven. She turns on three boilers. Except turns on three, uh, just turns on the oven, the stovetop, and gets three boilers going. She puts three pans. She gets some water in there. She gets those little things. It was on the quick bowl, baby. She had it on, turned on high, and that water starts boiling. She goes to the refrigerator. She pulls out an egg and a carrot. She gets some coffee beans. She puts the egg in one boiler. She puts, or pot, if you will, however you want to call it, uh, the carrot in another one, and the coffee beans in another one. And she looks at her granddaughter and says, what do you see? 
She said, well, Grandma, I know you're blind, just like Pastor T. I see an egg, a carrot, and some coffee beans, and some water. So after about 10 minutes, what happens is Grandma goes, she gets two bowls and two cups, and she's ready. She pulls the boiling water off of the burner, lets it cool down. Not supposed to stick your hand in no scalding water. Y'all know, don't be doing that today. She goes and she fishes out the egg. She puts it in one bowl. She fishes out the carrot, puts it in another bowl. And she takes the, uh, the coffee bean where it was in the water and she pours that coffee into two cups. And they go and they sit down at the table. And she looks at her granddaughter and says, tell me what you see. <laughs> Grandma, I did... Did you go to the special store and get some special brownies or something? Listen, Grandma, I see an egg, <laughs> a carrot, and some coffee. Grandma said, no, 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 no. Pick it up and feel it. Tell me what you see. She's like, okay, Grandma. A boiled egg, <laughs> a boiled carrot, <laughs> and some coffee. And Grandma says, sit down. Let me talk to you for a second, granddaughter. See, each and every one of these things went through the same circumstance. Can we all agree they all had the same 10 minutes of boiling water? They all left the boiling water different than how they came in. They're a brand new creation. They're absolutely different. And she says, granddaughter, let me tell you this. Remember that egg? The egg was fragile and it had a liquid inside. But when it encountered the hard circumstance, the boiling water, it became stiff and rigid. As a matter of fact, it completely changed it. I don't know about you. I don't eat boiled eggs, so thank for y'all. That's why they call them deviled. If we did, this place would not smell good if we had them in the house of the Lord, but that is it. Think about it, and if you've ever had an Easter egg hunt and your kid hid one of them eggs like I did to my poor mama, you found out. They stank. So anyway, it is what it is. They will stink. I thought a chicken would come out because it was anyway. I know y'all didn't think y'all knew I wasn't smart. You just found out even more. So she said, look, it, it changed it. Now the carrot, now remember before the carrot went in, man, it was resolute. It was strong. I mean, when you crack, you know, when you kick this crack, it was just great. It was resolute and strong, but it goes in that water. Man, it comes out all flimsy and weak. But you see the coffee bean, see the coffee bean didn't get affected by the boiling water. It actually changed the boiling water into something that could be shared with everything that comes in contact with it. So, granddaughter, what I want you to understand is you have to know in this life whether you're an egg, a carrot, or a coffee bean. Are you going to let your circumstances define you and change you for the worse? Or are you going to be the coffee bean that changes your circumstances and helps everyone for the better? Church, we're called to be the coffee bean because that's what Jesus did for us. He stepped down into this boiling water and this thing we call sin, became sin for us and completely changed for us. And that's the hope we get to share in Coffee ain't something you need to eat on your, drink on your own. Eat, that would be bad. Drink on your own. It's something that's meant to be shared. So the question is, when we go through those broken dreams, are we the egg, the carrot, or the coffee bean? I wish I could tell you I was a coffee bean all the time. I'm not. I want to be. So for you, see, what did David choose? Was he the egg, the carrot, or the coffee bean? He could have been, man, he could have been pouting. He could have been like Saul. He could have been mad that Solomon was going to get to build his house. He could have went and tried to lay the foundation and said, well, I'm going to do everything but lay the cornerstone, right? Like, I'm going to let him get everything going, but he didn't. He said, I'm going to prepare him. I'm going to be the coffee bean. I'm going to prepare him to step into fully being who God created him to be. He's the coffee bean. So right now, which one are you? That broken dream of finance, that broken dream of career, that broken dream of relationship, that broken dream. Are you, 
going to be the coffee bean and be like, I don't know. I don't know. But I know my God doesn't fail me. I don't know what he's doing. Hey, man, I would tell you my prayer sometimes to the Lord is, Lord, I'm sorry I'm so thick, scold, and dumb to know fully what you're doing, but give me belief in my unbelief because I know your promise is true. It's coffee bean. So as we get ready to this, right, as we get ready to, to wrap up today, I just want you to look at three people right now and say, won't he do it? Tough crowd. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Let him know. Now say it again one more time. Won't he do it? Did he do it again? Has he defeated death, hell, and the grave? Why ain't he going to do it? He's going to do it. So why in the world am I worried about what my bank account says? Why in the worry? Hey, why am I worried about a transmission? Praise Jesus' name. Like, why am I worried about, why am I worried about what the AC's on? Why am I worried about what's in the refrigerator? Why am I worried if my child is figuring out who God created? Why am I worried? He's got them. He loves them. It is our job to come alongside them. And church, the reason I tell you we're meant to be the coffee bean is we spent two long letting the boiling water of culture affect who we are as the church and we're called to go and affect the culture and turn it upside down with the gospel and if you want to know where the state of the church is that's what's wrong with us so let's go back to being the coffee bean let's go back to doing that everywhere we go hey these next two weeks god's going to give us an opportunity as we go on vacation as we sabbath and i just want you to walk up to somebody that won't he do it lord i don't know what's going to happen won't he do it hey what can i pray for you for won't he do it won't he do it? And I'm telling you, he's going to open a door and you're going to be a coffee bean and you're going to get to give him praise because the house of Judah is the house of praise. So wherever you are today, I want to remind you, God loves me. God is for me. God wants to bless me. See, some of us today, we know who Jesus is as our Lord and Savior. And we know that our inheritance is with him forever. This world will fade. It's going to be, it's going to be new. He is, he is building an eternal home for us. And we know that the greatest inheritance isn't given, but can only be received. See, that's what Christ has done for us. So I pray today that you have been reminded of that inheritance that he's given us, this gospel of peace, this good news, this pleasing aroma, as Paul says, that we get to be. And don't coffee give you some pleasing aroma I'm so, I know it's birthday and I don't care, but that's why I always love when you're here because the Keurig's going to be worked by God's name. I know when you, that's it. I'm praising God because I can smell coffee in this house. Others of us today, you're trying to build your inheritance. You're trying to build your wealth, hoping that it goes from one generation to the next. And let me tell you a really crazy stat as we get there. Did you know that most businesses that are passed on to the second generation only have a 40% success rate? They only have a 13% success rate to go to the third generation. To go to the fourth generation, there's only a 3% success rate. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. In three generations, that thing that you're hoping was your inheritance and worth has a 3% chance of success. But with Jesus Christ, you got a 100% chance of forever. So I don't know about you. Instead of worrying about passing on the bank account, pass on Jesus. Don't mean that you need to leave your family high and dry when you go. I'm just saying on the end, Jesus is the most important thing. I'm thankful that my mom and daddy and all my relatives made sure that I knew Jesus before they went on to be with him. Because right now, they are talking to him and encouraging and they're cheering on right now saying, my eyes have fully seen his full glory and I can't wait till you get here. But until the work is done, son, be strong. Do the work.
So if you're building your wealth right now, I just want to say, would you receive this inheritance that Jesus has given you? He's unlike Solomon that was told that he had to keep all the laws and decrees. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to do it all for you. I'm going to live the perfect sinless life you couldn't live. So check. You ain't got to worry about that. I'm actually, hey, guess what? I'm going to be the eternal sacrifice for you. So that way you can be in the presence of the Lord. Check. I ain't got to, you ain't even worried. I'm going to die on the cross for you. I'm going to be the eternal sacrificial lamb for you. But here's the good part. I ain't going to stay dead. I'm going to show you that I done defeated death, hell, and the grave. And, and just like Matthew 16, 18 says, like, hey, that he will build his house on the rock and the gates of hell will not prevail. He, he just went and stomped them down. He said, hey, I'm doing all this for you, but you got to want it. What does 1 Chronicles 28, 9 say? And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands the desire of every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Which of the two are you? Will you seek him today? Will you open the door and just see who he is? Taste his goodness. See that Jesus is who he says he is? Or will you reject him and hope that what you build on this earth will live on? So with every head bowed and every eye closed today, the reason we do what we do is so that those that are in Christ Jesus would be encouraged and reminded of who he is and that others would find him for the first time. We're about to pray a prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you. It's the faith, the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So we're gonna pray out loud as a family for the benefit of those who are coming to faith for the first time. So would everyone please repeat these words of this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life, the best way I know how. With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're online or in the house, I'm gonna ask you to do something really bold right here. If for the first time you have confessed of your sins and surrendered lordship of your life to Christ. This prayer, this faith, you have for the first time opened the door. You have sought the Lord and you have seen that he found you. I'm going to ask you to boldly raise your hand if it's the first time you've done that on the count of three. One, two, three. If you're in the house, you can do that. If you're online, you can leave a raised hand emoji. You can reach out to us throughout the week. You can shoot us a message inside the app throughout all of social media. Shoot us a text at 864-580-6698. We want to celebrate this decision with you not because we we think that we have we get all the glorious so that the lord gets the glory because here's the thing we want to release you into god's plan if that's you we want to get you in touch with a local church near you so you can continue to grow to be all that christ created you to be and for the rest of us if you want to look up and stand up and worship i almost said stand up with your head bowed but that would have been really bad but that's okay so if you want to look up we're going to go into this time of worship and i just want to say by god's mercy alone we can celebrate that when we sought the Lord, we saw that he had already found us, right? By God's mercy alone. 
And so as we go into this, be reminded, God loves me, God is for me, and God wants to bless me. Let's worship.
Yeah, so as we get ready, I'm going to pray over us. We're going to get going, but I'm just saying, hey, wherever we are on the field of broken dreams, it don't matter. We get to be on the field by God's grace. So let's show the world. Let's be that coffee bean. Let's go do it. So Jesus, today, we thank you that we get to come into your presence, and we know that your promise is true. It is faithful from the beginning to the end. You have not changed, and you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can hold on to your promises, and we get to live by your principles. So Jesus, as we go out into the world today, let us show you to everyone you place in our path. Let us share this mercy that you have given us. And so Jesus, we just thank you. When we were on the field of broken dreams of our sin, when we were at the end of ourself, of the broken dream of thinking that we could save ourselves, that you didn't leave us alone. You were right there with us, showing us the way. So Jesus, we thank you for that. We praise you. We give you all the glory. And we pray when we get to gather together again, whether the creek rises and we paddleboard in or it don't, whether the AC is working or not, please let it work. Wherever that is, Jesus, we pray that we would get to gather again and lift your name high. It's in your name for your glory, we pray. Amen. Reminder, we won't be here next week. We're just chilling. You can come on in if you want to, but we're going to be online. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. And always remember, the best is still yet to come.